special day that uh, we call Valentine's Day. I'm not going to talk about uh, historical issues in regards to Valentine's Day and, and uh, good or bad, but uh, this is a day that uh, most of us think about love. Uh, it's a special day for my wife and I, Elaine, because as you know, we have three grown children, but our middle child, uh, Nathan, was born on Valentine's Day. And so uh, we were able to celebrate that this Friday uh, with him and his family. And uh, I joke with uh, the rest of my kids that Nate being born on Valentine's Day, he's probably the most loving of uh, all three of them. I'm not sure that's totally true, but uh, uh, we're so thankful for that day. I remember when uh, he was born at Robert Packer Hospital in Sarah, Pennsylvania, and uh, after uh, his birth, I just scoured that entire area to find uh, roses to bring back to the hospital for Elaine. And uh, as you could imagine, on Valentine's Day, uh, I couldn't find any. But uh, I think Elaine uh, was uh, okay with that. So today we're going to uh, really look at a chapter in Scripture that we refer to as the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, you might know that chapter. Maybe some of you probably could uh, just quote it. But isn't it important for us that there, there's such great importance placed on this issue of love that often we need to be reminded, however, that we are to love one another and we're to love God. So depending on what translation you actually use, the word love is used in some 310 times all the way up to 550 times. And so today we're going to uh, really look at the prominence of love. We're going to look at the properties or traits or characteristics of love. And uh, we're going to look at the permanence of love and then the promoting of love among ourselves. Now, if that sounds long to you, we'll be fast as we look at some of these issues. Uh, you've heard uh, the words of uh, Martin Luther King Jr., and uh, I just want to uh, read a couple other quotes uh, from him. He said this, returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And so it's exciting to think that when we understand God's love and when we obey his command to love one another, then uh, clearly uh, that love will uh, demolish uh, hate. He also said this, hatred paralyzes life. Love releases it. Hatred confuses life. Love harmonizes it. Hatred uh, darkens life. Love illuminates it. And so clearly you and I are to be individuals who love God 
and uh, love uh, one another. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want you to realize that the first three verses, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, talks about the prominence of love, how important uh, love is. And so he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So even if we're golden-tongued orators, if you will, uh, and uh, we uh, are great uh, communicators, but we don't do it out of hearts that are filled with love, then especially to the ears of Almighty God, it's something that irritates. Then he tells us in verse 2, And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but not have love, I am nothing. So in essence, Paul tells us that we can have uh, great uh, gifts, great strengths. Uh, we can be, you know, really golden-tongued orators, but if we do not have love, then we're zeros. I don't know if you realize that we're, we're probably always ranking and rating everything in our lives. We look at the different things and we say, well, that's a 10, or that's a nine, or that's a one, or that's not even uh, on uh, you know, the scale. Here, Paul says this, that even though you might have great strengths, great abilities that uh, would cause others to stand in awe, if you do not have love, you're a zero. You're not even on the scale, so to speak. And so then he tells us, in verse 3, if I give away all I have, and if I uh, deliver up my body to be burned as a martyr, but not have love, I gain nothing. There's no reward. So even if we act sacrificial, even if we're uh, willing to, to give up, but we're not motivated to give out of a heart that's filled with love, then in essence, there is no reward that will come our way. And so you and I need to realize in Scripture that love is extremely prominent. It is so important in the mind and heart of God. Scripture tells us that, that love is from God. It begins with God. It ends with God. God is love, John tells us, in 1 John uh, chapter 4. And so, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God because God is love. God doesn't have to work at love like you and I do. He is love. Even if we are really loving people, even if our personalities seem to be such that, that we love people, we have to work at it. Not everybody is lovable. And so if we're going to abide by God's word, it, it takes work. It takes us depending upon the spirit of God to work in and through us to love people. But you and I need to realize that that comes from God. Billy Graham said this, God is saying from the cross, I love you, I love you, I love you. And so love begins and ends in essence 
with God himself. Billy Graham also said this, I want you to know tonight one thing, God loves you. No matter how you've lived and no matter the color of your skin, no matter what your racial background, no matter the language you speak, God loves you. Do you believe that today? You see, God is love. The psalmist says this in Psalm 136, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So when we think of the love of God, God's love is unchangeable. His love is, is unlimited, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's love is unselfish. God's love is unconditional. This might be the greatest aspect of his love, that you and I never had to win his love, therefore we never have to worry about losing that love. Now you see, in human relationships, I can remember when I first met Elaine, and I started to think, well, how can I impress her? How can I win her love? And uh, boy, I, you know, I did probably some pretty foolish things to get her attention and, and to get her to uh, you know, love me. In all human relationships, however, we probably have had to work in some way to get that person's attention, to get them to love us. And there could be in the back of our minds in human relationships, the love that I had to win is a love I could easily lose. But when it comes to God, there's nothing we could have done to win his love. He has chosen to love us. And because he's chosen to love us, it's an unconditional love. It's an unending love. And therefore, you and I never have to worry about losing his love. Now, if you amen anything, that ought to be the amen. That we have a God who loves us. And so we then are told in Matthew chapter 22 that this God who loves us, we're to love him. And how are we to love him? Well, we're to love him with our entire heart, our soul, and our mind. Our total being, we're to love him because he what? First loved us. And so we're, we're to love God. And you and I need to realize then that according to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3, that uh, love is more important than your ability to speak Love is more important than your strengths and gifts and, we, and, and uh, talents. And love is even more important than your service. We're to love God. And out of that love, we are to love one another. And so it's interesting in Scripture that God never lets us out of love. He never says, well, it's okay. You don't need to love that person. Never says that. And so, you know, we're to love God, but we're clearly told that we're to love our mates, we're to love our wives, our husbands, we're to love our children, we're to love one another, and the list in Scripture isn't exhaustive, but it goes from, you know, this love of God, love of God and love of our maiden family all the way down then to love even those who are our enemies. And so we don't only love those who love us. It's easy to love those who love us. It's easy to love those who show how important we are and appreciate us. 
But God says, no, you're, you're to love everyone, even those who hurt you and harm you. You still are to love them with my love. Now, would you agree that that needs to be supernatural? That we love the way God wants us to love. And when we think about God's love, maybe there's another issue here that we ought to at least address, and that is this, that if we truly love, then love must be expressed or demonstrated, or it isn't love. And so there's a principle then that we find in the verse that we we uh, quote so often for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He did something. See, if I were to ask you to get out pen and, pa- pen, uh, pen and uh, paper right now, especially those of you who are married and you're sitting with your mate and I said, okay, now, do you love your wife? And you all guys, I, I know you would because your wife, especially if your wife's sitting right next to you, oh yeah, I love her. And if I said this, okay, jot down even one thing that you've done this week to show her that you really love her. And if you can't come up with anything, according to scripture, guess what? You didn't love her this week. Because love is not just a feeling, it's an action. And so for God so loved the world that he did something. He gave his only begotten son. And so you and I need to realize that if we truly love, then that love needs to be expressed and demonstrated, or I would suggest to you that it really isn't uh, love. Well, verses 4 through 7 of this great chapter deals with uh, the properties of love, uh, the traits of love, the uh, characteristics of love. And here is really where the rubber meets the road. We can say, oh yeah, you know, we love. We love you. I love you. But here is where the Apostle Paul really shows to us that love is an action, and here's how you need to love. Here's how it should be demonstrated. Here are the traits or the characteristics of of that love. And so he begins that in verse 4. And he says that love is patient. Uh, We'll put these together in in a sense. But he says that love is patient and uh, love uh, is uh, kind. And so he really gives us uh, two different characteristics here. Some translations tell us that love suffereth long. You're not easily uh, roused to resentment. You're patient. That's what the word in essence means. And so we're, we're patient. We're, we're long-minded, that, that uh, term in essence. And so we uh, are, are individuals then who uh, are going to uh, be patient with those that we love. And uh, clearly, you know, <laughs> you need to have the Spirit of God in you, don't you, to be patient? Um, I, I'm convinced that Elaine, my wife, is really filled with the Spirit of God. And you might say, well, why are you so convinced? For almost now, 50 years, she's been patient with me. And I know that's not easy, you see. You, some of you think it's not easy. Imagine living with me, see. And so he tells us then that, that love in, in essence is, is patient. Love uh, really suffereth long. And then he tells us that love is kind. 
When we think of kindness, we generally think of, of uh, you know, just some feeling. Uh, we feel something. But kindness really is an action-oriented uh, word here. And uh, it has to do with actually doing something that's good. It has the idea of doing something useful uh, for someone. And so when, when we uh, truly love and we're kind, we're, we're going to uh, be productive uh, for this other person. We're, we're going to do something uh, useful for them. There's going to be some kind of good service that we do for that person that we say we love so much. Well, then he tells us that, uh, and looking at these in positive ways, not just negative, but he tells us that we need to be pleased with the other person's success. And so he tells us that love envieth not. You're not jealous uh, of the other person and the good things that happen uh, with that person. But on the upside of that, the positive is that you, you are going to be an individual who's pleased uh, with their success. In fact, I would, I would even take one step further that if you truly love, not only are you pleased with their success, you're asking yourself, what can I do to help make them more successful in whatever they're, they're, they're doing? And so you see the positive. If you love, then you're going to do things to make the people that you love successful. And uh, you're going to help them with that. Well, he then tells us that uh, we're going to be praising others. He talks about this in regards to, uh, you know, vaunteth not itself. There's no desire uh, to uh, sound your own praises. Uh, men, when you're with your wife, you know, it's not a characteristic of love to remind her how fortunate she is, how lucky she is, you know. No, when you really love, you realize how lucky you are, and uh, you're going to do everything you can do uh, to uh, praise them. Similar ways, not, love is not uh, puffed up in some translations. You're not swelled with pride. You're not conceited. But on the positive, you're going to build them up. So what do you do to build up those that you love and care about? What do you say that builds them up? Or are you tearing them down? Are you cutting them to pieces? Are you uh, really making fun of them? Are you, uh, you know, so critical that, that uh, really their self-esteem is being dashed on the rocks? But if you truly love, you see, you're building them up. Well, then he tells us, I want you to notice in verse 5, that love is uh, not rude. So we're not rude. Now, I, I really think that what uh, Paul's uh, talking about here is that uh, we're not going to behave ourselves unseemly. Uh, really, the word has to do with we're not going to act boorishly, but rather we're going to act like uh, gentlemen. We're going to uh, uh, be individuals who uh, are even uh, polite. Um, so when I was at Syracuse University, things were kind of changing at, uh, in regards to uh, male-female relationships. And, and I, you know, grew up, I'm old enough that I grew up when, you know, you go and walk in a building, if there's uh, some women there, ladies there, girls there, you open the door for them. And I always uh, 
used to laugh. I, I guess uh, my motivation here was not totally pure, but I used to love to rush and open up the door for some that were truly militant feminists because they would hate it that I was opening the door for them. And they'd say, you know, I can open that myself. And I used to, you know, love saying, well, you know, I, I just love doing it for you, you know? And uh, it was always comical because then they would rush to the next door to get it for me. And I would appreciate that. Uh, now I hate it because, you know what? I, I must be really looking old because even the girls hold the door open for me. And I'm thinking, I don't like this, you know? Um, but I, you know, hey, maybe they're just trying to be polite to this old guy. I'm not sure. But uh, here, you know, he's really saying that if you love someone, you, you're going to act it. You're going to act in a, in a, like a gentleman, like a woman. You're, you're going to be polite. Well, then he tells us that we're going to be sensitive. So you're not going to seek your own. You're not going to look out for your own profit, your own pleasure. You're not going to be selfish if you truly uh, love so I think that the positive here is this, that instead of being insensitive to the needs of other people, you're, if you love, you're going to be sensitive to the needs of other people. And you're going to figure out how you can uh, help uh, meet those, uh, those needs. And so you're not going to uh, seek your own, but you're going to be sensitive to other people's needs, and you're going to figure out how you can help meet those needs. Well, then... Paul says in verse 5 as well that uh, love is not easily provoked. You're not quick-tempered. You're going to be uh, cool, calm, and collected when you truly love. And uh, so you're you're not, uh, you know, easily provoked. You're you're not going to uh, just, uh, you know, let everything uh, uh, set you off, so to speak. And uh, you're not going to be, uh, you know, driven to uh, wrath or anger uh, or uh, bitterness that might be caused by some offense. You're not going to be quick-tempered. You're going to be calm and uh, collected. Well, then he tells us also in verse 5 that we need to uh, be on the side of truth. So we're not going to think evil. We're we're not going to see the worst in other people. We're not going to search for the worst of other people. We're going to see the best in them. Uh, We're going to uh, look uh, for and search for those good things. So we're not going to keep track of offenses. We're not going to, uh, you know, remember, ah, I remember 25 years ago when you said this to me or did this to me. But uh, you're going to uh, be uh, an individual then who is uh, not going to, uh, you know, rejoice Uh, in uh, any kind of uh, wrongdoing. So in verse 6, we're to be, you know, protective. And I think this goes right along with it. And so we're not going to be irritable or resentful, but we're going to uh, not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoice uh, in the truth. And so we're going to be individuals who are going to even be protective of people and help them uh, to live the truth and love that truth and uh, not uh, live uh, in sin. So when you really love someone, you're even willing to confront that person in love when you see them doing something that's wrong because you don't want their life to be ruined and wrecked, you see. So if you just overlook everything and you just, you know, put your head in the sand all the time when people are living in sin, don't call it love. 
not according to the scriptures. Well, then uh, in verse 7, he tells us uh, in verse 7, love uh, bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, uh, love endures all things. So we're to be trusting, I think he, he's emphasizing here. Uh, we're to be individuals who, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're able to bear uh, difficulties in our lives that are brought into our lives because of people that uh, we uh, love and care about. And we're not going to uh, disclose those matters. We might deal with them ourselves, but we're not going to run around and tell everybody else what so-and-so did if we truly uh, love them. And he tells us that uh, love is going to be positive. We're going to hope all things. We're not going to be suspicious. Uh, we're going to uh, be positive. We're going to hope for the best. And uh, we're going to encourage uh, the best. And he tells us that uh, also that uh, love uh, is persistent. It endures, puts up with awkward uh, situations and circumstances. And so we're, we're going to be able, in fact, this is a military term that Paul uses here that talks about an army that's able to sustain the attacks of, of, of another army. And so we're going to endure. We're not going to give up on people. We're going to endure uh, all things. And so he gives us then uh, all of these properties, these traits, uh, these characteristics of love that ought to be evident uh, in our lives. Now, then I want you to notice, beginning in verse 8, we're going to look at all these verses, but I want you to notice that, in essence, he tells us that about the permanence of love. So verse, verse 8, love never ends. Never ends. The, there's good news and bad news there, by the way. So for us as Christians, he's saying this, I think. You, you never... I'm never going to let you just not love. Oh, come on, God. Give me a break. To love so-and-so? Are you kidding me? No, God says, I, you never are allowed to give up on love. He doesn't say just love the lovable. We're to love everybody. And that love is to endure. And so, he, you know, he kind of concludes this then by saying, now faith, hope, love, abide, these three. But then how does he end? Well, but the greatest of these is love. And so we're to love. We're not going to turn there, but Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14, the author of Hebrews says this, let us consider how to stir up one another to love. And so I conclude with this this morning that the author of the book of Hebrews adds one important thing to each of us today, and that's this, that we're to be promoting love among ourselves. So ask yourself, what are you doing to promote love? He's not saying promote criticism. He's not saying promote hatred. He's saying that we are to consider one another our own uniqueness, our personalities, the situations that we're in, so that we can provoke one another, promote love among one another. And so what do you do to help other people to love? That's what Hebrews, I think, uh, 10 
verse 24 is saying. And so we're to stir up love, not hatred. But if we're honest, sometimes we stir up hatred, not love. Well, <clears throat> there was uh, a man who lived many years ago, died in April of 1955, and he was a priest, a uh, French Jesuit priest. He was a scientist, a paleontologist, a theologian, a philosopher, a teacher. And uh, here's what he said. Someday, after mastering the winds, the waves, the tides, and gravity, we shall harness for God the energies of love. And then, for a second time in the history of the world, man will have discovered fire. What a great quote. And so is your life characterized by these qualities of love? And so how do you live out these qualities in relationships in general, in your marriage, in your family, at work, in your neighborhood, at church? And how do you live out these qualities with those who really trouble you and just kind of irk you and rub you the wrong way. Here's the message. God never lets us out of love. So let's love one another because of all these qualities, the greatest of these is love. Thank you.